The job. The stress. We are, there is an active shooter working at Douglas. Multiple gunshots are being fired. Politics. Politics. Pressure. Pressure. Get out of here. We got a guy with a long rifle. We don't know where the hell he's at. Fear. Survival. Control 765, I need the radio for a minute. Be advised, we are taking fire from a very high floor. We believe it's possibly coming from the Mandalay Bay. And we get it. And we have to do better. The truth behind the badge. Presented by the Team South Florida Law Enforcement Charity. Okay, good evening. This is Rich, and we have another podcast tonight. We have a special guest. Thank you very much, Emily, for joining us. Thanks for having me on for a second time. Thank you. And I also have Brian. Hello, hello. And Kelly. Hello. Thank you guys for joining us. So tonight's show is going to be kind of interesting. I recently had the privilege and pleasure of having an episode with Bev, and she brought a unique perspective, uh, triumph over tragedy, if you will. And some of the conversation was about PTSD and mental health and relationships, things of that nature. Emily contacted us, and we've had conversations in the past, and Emily's very, very big on law enforcement and first responders in general, focusing on mental health, their success, their happiness, and knowing that people care. Sometimes in this profession, we find that we may feel alone at times or just different stressors of the job, so to speak. And one of the topics that I've had personal conversations with Emily about, and it's healthy to have these conversations and agree to disagree, so to speak, sometimes we feel like we are on our own or others don't understand or only other first responders get it, quote unquote, so to speak. Uh, would you agree with that, that we've had those discussions, Emily? We can agree to disagree to an extent on some of that? Definitely. So happy to have you on today. And we have the uh, luxury of having Brian and Kelly here. And between the four of us, we've got completely different experiences, situations. Brian, if I could ask you, how long have you been in law enforcement? I'm almost finished with my 20th year. And Kelly, if I can ask you how long you've been in law enforcement? Um, this year will be 18 years. And Brian, you're currently married to a civilian, correct? Yes. And Kelly, you're married to a first responder, correct? I am. My husband's been a firefighter for 18 years as well. Okay, so I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Emily, the floor is yours. We have a very diverse group here with different experiences and everything. Um, Maybe I should start off by just asking you, uh, how do you disagree with when I say something like, I'd like to talk about something, but they just don't get it? Or Brian goes home and he might feel like he had a tough day at work, but he doesn't want to open up and share his day with his wife because he feels she might not get it. I don't really think it's about getting it. That's the, that's the problem. That's the problem that a lot of I think first responders have is no one's going to get it. It's not about that shit. And I say it all the time with you in regard to me and other things like that. We only know what we know and we experience what we experience in life. And that's it. I didn't have to understand exactly what Benji was going through. And there was no way that I could as a civilian and as his spouse 
there was no way for me to actually get it. But that doesn't mean that he couldn't open up to me about it. That doesn't mean he couldn't come home and say, hey, I saw this today. Or text me at three in the morning and be like, I just got off of this call. This is how I'm feeling. This is what I saw. This is what was going through my head. Why is it that somebody has to get it for you to share with them? That doesn't make any sense to me. He's not telling me. Mm -hmm. I I almost wonder, and Brian or Kelly, feel free to jump in. I I wonder if, I'm thinking personally, if it's almost shielding them or trying to protect them because maybe something affected us and we don't want them to know. See, it's different for Kelly because her, her husband sees the pitfalls of the profession on a daily basis. So let me go to Brian, actually. Brian, what do you think about that? Well, I can speak to my own experience. Uh, Looking back after 20 years, I was definitely on the side of shielding my spouse from the things that I saw on a daily basis. But uh, I believe Bev said it on the last podcast, uh, kind of in line with what Emily is saying, and I believe it now. um, You you kind of just, they just want to know what you're feeling, not necessarily what happened. I've kind of turned a corner going through some difficult times myself in my career and my wife stood, stood by me and, and uh, I realized later on in my career that she didn't care what exactly happened. She just wanted to know that I was okay and that wanted to know what I was feeling. And I feel that that in and of itself has made us a lot stronger now after, oh wait, for 13 years of marriage. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's definitely something that I can see both sides of the coin, but I'm on the side of Emily at this point. Sorry. Okay. So let me ask Emily, <laughs> Emily before you answer that, let me ask Kelly an interesting question on that topic. So Kelly and her husband are both first responders. When you guys have a difficult call, would you discuss the details of the call or would you just discuss the emotions behind why you're upset or bothered by a call? Um, I think, you know, we've been together over 15 years now. And I think we, because we met already in this profession, both of us, um, I kind of know, like we, we really don't talk much about work, but when something really bad happens, like you can definitely tell that there's a change in demeanor. Um, and it, you know, we've been doing it so long that it's almost like, you know, when it's a really, really bad call. Um, and then we just, you know, address those situations as necessary. But for the most part, it's kind of like, you know, just had a crappy shift or with a car accident, we don't really get into details. Um, but if I can, if I see that there's a change in him or that he's having a hard time with things then I'll address those instances specifically. Um, but other than that, there's really not a whole lot of work talk. Go ahead, Emily. Um, On my end of it, I just feel like there was a point in time when I was going through my depression that I, and as a civilian, this is going to sound ridiculous to you guys, but I wanted to shield Benji from what I was going through and what I was feeling, right? Because he was in FTO and he was going through all these new changes and all this other stuff. So I didn't want to add on to him with what I was going through. That was my point of thought. Kind of the same thing you're saying right now is shielding them, protecting them from that. It made our relationship so much worse. 
even though he was sharing with me and telling me, you know, the struggles he was going through during training and all this other stuff or what, just everything new that came along with it, he was venting to me and I was just listening, but I would not share anything because I didn't want to put that on him. I didn't want to cause any additional stress. So I was like, you know what, let me just keep this to myself. That started breaking down our relationship. Communication got so bad between us and you know, I don't think it helped. It didn't help. I know for a fact it didn't help. In my head, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I think one of the most important things you can have in a relationship to make it be successful is communication, is being able to open up and share stuff. And you don't, again, like everybody else is saying, you don't have to get into specifics about things, but I think it's important to have that. Yeah, I definitely agree with so you. I agree with what? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I agree with what Brian was saying. I agree with what Kelly was saying. You know, everybody has, you kind of learn, I think, in your relationship, how to share with your partner and how to read your partner. And I think that's an important thing to maintain. You don't want to lose that ability. That's one thing I was going to ask you, Emily, during the time that you were going through that and those struggles and and Benji was, you know, having all that stuff going on in his career as well. Was he, I mean, was he able to tell at all? Did he ever ask you if there was anything wrong and you just completely hid it from him? Or did he just not notice at all that, that you were, you know, withholding things? He did not notice, but he was not the only one. Nobody noticed. I mean, I was, I was, I got very good at playing the card. Just, I mean, people who have known me my entire life, nobody knew what was going on. Um, so he, he did not notice. Um, but it it wasn't, I guess it just wasn't painfully obvious, which you hear a lot with people who are going through depression, like suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. It just wasn't noticeable. Right. Now you told me to quote you, you said, Rich, don't be a bitch tonight and don't beat around the bush and just, just I be did. straight with me. So let me ask you this point blank. Um, how, not how did you necessarily come out of that, but prior to Benji tragically being killed in the line of duty, your relationship was strong, right? It was really, really great. Okay. So you were at a bad point and then you were at a really great point. And yeah, let me throw this disclaimer out here. I, you told me not to beat around the bush and not to be a bitch. So I completely apologize. I don't want to be too forward or anything. So if I say something, just stop me. But can we figure out how you got to being in one spot and then how you got to being in a better spot. Yeah. Um, I mean, first things first, it got, it got to the point where it got so bad. Things had to get really bad before they started getting better. Um, and it got really bad. Uh, one of my brothers actually saw me having a panic attack and everything just came out. And then from there he was like, you, you need to tell Benji. And I did. And <laughs> Benji looked at me and I, I mean, I love my husband. He was, he he said, you either make an appointment right now with a therapist or I'm going to Baker act you. That was it. That was the ultimatum. That was it. That's what he told me. He's like, you either make this appointment now or I'm going to Baker act you. So I made the fucking appointment and um, I started going uh, and essentially my big thing that the, what I was, I, I had to communicate with him. You know, I was going through my own personal stuff and, I did. I started communicating with Benji and my God, when I tell you that I know for a fact he felt guilty because he didn't notice that wasn't his fault. I didn't want anybody to notice. That was, that was the thing. I didn't want anybody to know what was happening. So 
So it's not on him at all. And the second that he knew what was happening, the second he was, he was on top of those appointments, like crazy. He wanted to know everything that was happening, what I was being told, what I should do. If I had homework, you know, they give you homework. Um, he was making sure I did it. You know, I had to take time away from the kids. He would have me go to Barnes and Noble and, and read and do all that stuff. I mean, without, it was Benji's support. It completely turned everything around for me, everything. Um, and when I started realizing like, you know, what, I can, I can talk to him about this stuff. I can open up to him about this. We started, I guess, diving deeper into our own relationship, our own communication um, and just building from there. So that's when Benji died, it's kind of shitty to say, but when he died, we were in one of the best places ever. It sucks and it doesn't suck. It's great that we were in such a great, in, a, in such a good place, but it's just unfortunate because I mean, we were in such a good place. I, I don't know where we would have been going. It, it was, it was healthy. It was good and was happy and it was healthy. So these times you're going to have to join me on a podcast that's happy and filled with no crazy emotions and powerful topics and stuff because some of this stuff is just it's heavy it's really heavy it's heavy but it's good there's good in it that's all that matters (laughs) it's a it's a double-edged sword i i agree with you i mean i'm so happy that you guys were at such a great place. It sucks, but you're right. It doesn't suck. I'm, I'm glad you guys were at a great place at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, Rich, I just want to add to that. I think, you know, first responders especially are very, very good at hiding things away and, you know, putting on that tough exterior and, you know, just getting through the day. And I think Emily is absolutely right when she says you've got to ask, you know, those questions, even if everything looks okay on the outside, you've got to be consistent in just, you know, whether it's, you know, Hey, sit down for five minutes. How was your day? You know, you know, anything, you know, happened today and just like that constant communication. Otherwise you're, it's just gonna, you know, you'll, you'll never notice it. We're very good at at hiding that stuff away. I I couldn't agree more. Uh, Christine take some of these phone calls and that's one of her biggest things is she talks about and preaches communication, communication, mm-hmm. communication. And she just, she harps on that for, for those that are in relationships, she harps on the importance of communicating. Uh, if I think personally, personally speaking, I think that might be one of the things that I do is I'm, I, I kind of keep things to myself. I have an inner circle of people that I can confide in and speak with and everything, but I don't know. I, I'm slowly starting to turn that corner that Brian turned. Brian, when did you turn that corner? How long ago? If you want a date, it was April 7th. No, I, I don't know the date. It was, for, it was, it was right around, um, I, would say, I would say probably around year 11, 12 of my career. And it also, I think, kind of coincided with uh, the second child being born. That, that kind of changed perspectives a little bit as well because – if you have more than one kid, you know one's really easy. <laughs> and then after that, it's very difficult. They fuck you up. Well, I can say, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've been in law enforcement 13 years, and I've always kind of just went with the fact that if if they're not a first responder, they just don't know, they don't get it, they don't understand. And one of one of our 
volunteers is in the air force and he's kind of had that mentality as well. And, you know, I'm slowly starting to see the other side of it, having conversations like these, having podcasts like these, they really break that down a little bit. And to Kelly's point, first responders are absolutely phenomenal at masking things. We're, we're up to 50 suicides year to date, and those are just confirmed, verified law enforcement suicides. And it's March 27th. We're not even in April yet. And we're at 50, five zero, which is just insane to me. And one of the things we hear from peers of first responders that have taken their own lives is I would conservatively say 70 to 80% of the time we hear they had no idea. It took them by surprise. They had no signs whatsoever. So I, I think Kelly's spot on about first responders just typically being very good at masking that, so to speak. Can I ask you a question, Rich? No. Oh, sorry, Kelly. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Um, yes. Go ahead. What do you do with Himself, Florida? Can I ask you to specify that? Specify? All right. You, you want me to go why did you, charitable initiatives or what? Why did you, you reached out to me back in October, right? Because I'm a widow. So you reached out to me back in October, try to get things going. Technically, uh, with technically the, July, but you ignored us in July because you were busy. And then I followed up in oh, October. I mean, it's understandable though, but I just had a few things going on. <laughs> I had a few things going on, but anyway, um, priorities, but uh, you reached out and I mean, I, I think it goes without saying I'm a huge supporter of Team South Florida. I love you guys. You guys are family. But all of you guys always say that you're there for me, right? You guys are all there when I need to vent. You guys are there when I need to talk, right? Yes. Have you lost a spouse? Have I lost a spouse? No. No. Have you lost a spouse? No, all right. Not at all. So just going off of what you said is, you know, your, your way of thinking that we don't understand we don't know. We haven't lived it. You want me to open up and talk to you guys, but you're not willing to do the same because I've never worked on road patrol because I'm not a cop. How does that make sense? You're, you're willing to allow other people who you know nothing about. Well, don't get mad at all of us. I mean, you could get mad at me, but Brian and Kelly already said they were on your side. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying you it's 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 very it's hypocritical it is and you know I'm gonna call you out on that shit because I have before and other things but you can't sit here and tell the surviving families hey I'm here for you talk to me well you haven't fucking lived it so why one of the things if that, if, if that's how you're mm -hmm. one of the things that I always say and I'll, I'll never not say this is I can't say that I understand what it's like to be in your exact position as a police officer who has lost a coworker, if you if you're a police officer and you've never lost a coworker, you cannot tell somebody in that position that you understand. To the same example, I haven't lost a spouse, so I can't possibly say I understand. But we're human, and the mainstream media and social media does a phenomenal job of making us out like we're a bunch of robots. And we don't have emotions. And to answer your question about Team South Florida, it's not so much the organization, it's the people who are part of the organization. And each and every person cares. They give a shit. And they bring different experiences, different backgrounds, 
different agencies. Some are civilian, some are sworn, and we, we're there because we care. We don't necessarily need you to open up, but we want you to know that you can open up and we will do whatever we possibly can and provide whatever possible resource we can wherever you are, whenever needed to help. And that's, that's what we're about. Do you get what I'm trying to have you see though? I get it. I just didn't know this was about me. I feel like this is an intervention <laughs> about me now. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. I do. And like I said, it's the conversation that I had with Bev opened my eyes quite a bit. And the feedback that we received after that podcast was phenomenal. And we've heard quite a bit from quite a few people, some local, some from several states away. And it makes sense. I think it's just an equal balance. It's kind of like what Kelly was saying earlier about how she and her husband don't necessarily go play by play or step by step what took place or what transpired, but they can read each other and they know if something bothered one or the other and they're there for each other. And I think that kind of coincides with what you're saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's what it sounds like. No, you're right. Can you say that again? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Reginald, I think we're getting when we get down to the nitty gritty of everything and what Emily's saying is, you know, regardless of whether your spouse is civilian or sworn or in the first responder service somehow, you know, it's not a matter of getting it. It's a matter of regular human emotion and compassion and just being that sounding board for your partner all every day not just when things get bad. Because if you keep that line of communication open at all times, then when stuff really does hit the fan, they're going to come to you. Kelly, or they'd be more saint. likely to come. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Then you're a saint. Emily said that you're a saint, Kelly. Oh, no, far from it, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, it's pretty much what Bev was saying about human emotion. And that's it's as simple as that. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Um, I don't know. Brian, are you and your wife kind of along the same lines here with now she might recognize that you had a bad day or do you do self-reflection and you recognize the importance of letting her know you had a bad day? Oh boy. Okay. Um, I don't, I am not going to purport that I know what she thinks. Uh, or if she knows if I had a bad day or not, she generally seems to understand. Uh, I work really long days, as most of us do. And in addition, I have a, an hour, hour and a half drive each way. So my 12-hour day sometimes becomes 14, 15 hours. Um, so she'll she'll know that when I get home, I'm, I'm pretty much spent. You know, I don't do much after I get off of work. I, I normally don't go do podcasts after I get off of work and have to work the next day. Uh, but she generally understands. It seems that she understands um, when I've had a bad day. Uh, I try to communicate with her a lot throughout the day. Uh, she understandably gets upset if I don't answer right away. Um, as a first responder, we can all understand that sometimes we're busy. And kind of to what your, your point was earlier, 
sometimes I have to explain that I'm on a call and I can't answer right away and she gets upset. Um, it's gotten better over the years, but those are the things that, those are the little things that I'm probably not understanding it properly from her standpoint. Maybe Emily can point, point out a better solution for that for me, but I don't necessarily think she understands from my perspective when I'm on a call. So those are the kind of things that create a little bit of an issue. Just be careful here. I want you to stay married after this podcast. If she hasn't left me <laughs> now, this is not going to do it. <laughs> this won't do it. What do you think, Emily? Because I, I could tell you what I think. I think that that comes down to somebody that is not in law enforcement, not understanding that, but it takes open communication to have a, that conversation and explain the why. I mean, for me, I really didn't have an issue with Benji not answering his phone or, you know, immediately texting me back. But I have a brother in law enforcement. I have so many people who I genuinely consider family before this even happened, before Benji was killed, that are in law enforcement. A few of them work for BSO. You know, they all work for the same agency, which is, is you know, it's nice. Um, and I, I think I've, I kind of knew, I've seen what the lifestyle was before we got into it. And it's just something Benji always wanted to do. At the same time, when I was working, you know, Benji was a stay at home dad for two and a half years. And then we switched, we flip flopped. But when I was working, I didn't like it when Benji was harassing me either. And I wasn't even, I'm sitting behind a desk. Um, so I, 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 maybe it's just personality wise. Well, I, can I just be clear? I never of. said the word harass. I never said she was <laughs> no. harassing me. I just no. want to be clear on a recorded conversation. That my wife is not harassing me. No, no. I didn't mean like that, but it's just, I didn't like if Benji was texting me and I'm on a call and taking a statement or something like that, I wasn't going to respond to him immediately. And he knew that. And for me, it's the same thing, you know, would, would, but Benji always would make it a point to, we, we, Text it a lot, so he would always let me know what was going on. He's like, oh, "I'm I'm doing this, I'm doing that, or you know, this is how my day is going." So if I knew when he was busy and when he wasn't, and it it wasn't something that ever really bothered me. But I could see how it could get upsetting because I was a stay-at-home mom while Benji was working for for BSO, and it can get frustrating when the one person who you really want to vent to about your kids being shitty for the fifth time today or, you know, something else going awry. The one person who you want to vent to isn't available. You know, the one person who gets how obnoxious your kids can get, they're not there. So with the same token, you just have to understand that if you're not able to answer that call, then who is she going to vent to who understands how crappy your kids are being at that very moment? You know, it's kind of one of those things that you just, you just have to get it. I think that's what might make uh, Brian's situation that much more challenging when he says he works those long hours and then you add on mm -hmm. an hour drive at the end of it. I don't know how he would be able to want to sit down and have a conversation. Hey, how was your day? At the end of that, especially if he's working the next day, I mean, that's got to be incredibly challenging. I realize that when I come home sometimes that I completely shut down mm -hmm. and where I work now is not nearly as busy as where I retired from, but mm -hmm. there is 
hypervigilance component to this that I think has helped me mm-hmm. when I've sat down and explained to my wife about the ups and downs of being hypervigilant for 12, 13, 14 hours in the day. And then you come home and it's just that crash that happens right after. And I feel like a zombie sitting on the couch. Uh, that That's something that a conversation, in my opinion, should be had with every every spouse, even other first responders. Some of them don't get it. Some of them don't realize what's happening. And I know you guys have talked about this on previous podcasts, but there's there's a book out there. Emotional Survival yeah. by uh, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kevin Gilmartin. And that's where I come I was from. just going to ask if he had read that book. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I, I, I was able to say, Hey, look, you know, honey, this is, this is exactly how to put into words what I'm feeling. And that helped out tremendously uh, to going back to your previous point about coming home and having conversations. Um, there's, there's just so many co- different components to it. It's not just, in my opinion, it's not just one thing. Yeah. We've talked about that book and we talk about having that magic chair and just, grab your remote control you don't even focus what's on tv you just put the tv on in the background disconnect and pretty much fade off or go to sleep so to speak but i agree and depending on the agency depending on the police academy and things like that they they should at least back when i went through uh, they harped on this and some police departments even have family nights i don't know emily did where where benji worked did they do anything like that as far as inviting families and telling you what you might expect either through the academy or the agency through the academy they did i did not go though because i was like eight months pregnant it was an hour and change away so um they did a family night i was not able to attend um i i do know that they're obviously you know that i'm very close with fishers and ever since I've gotten to be more like a family with them. Uh, their agency has just opened up to me completely about stuff. And, you know, they have open dialogue with me. And I know that they've, you know, wanted to do more about bringing those families in, introducing them to people like HR, doing things of that, that nature. So you can kind of get the idea of it. Because there's, there's a lot more than just, you know, congratulations, you're a law enforcement wife, you know, kudos to you. It there's there's so much that goes into this that you don't know and there's a lot that should be discussed in my opinion that that isn't um because no one wants to talk about that stuff no one wants to talk about what happens when you know if and when someone gets killed um so i i did not unfortunately get to go the one that benji was a part of but i have heard of others and um i think that they're a great thing they sound like a positive impact on the spouses and family. If, if you could, not to put you on the spot, but other than somebody getting killed in the line of duty, what are some of the topics that come to mind as a civilian, as a spouse of a police officer that you wish an agency, an academy, HR, anybody would have shared with you? I don't know if it's, the information more so than how it is, how it gets put out there. For example, you know, you can, they can sit there and tell you, you're going to have times where you can't communicate with your, you know, your spouse, your, you know, daughter, son, whatever. Um, There's going to be moments where 
they're exhausted at the end of the day and can't hold up a conversation with you. I think who it comes from is a big thing. I think if you get, if, if more agencies were able to get their spouses involved, their family members involved and have people who actually live this stuff, people who have, you know, been in a marriage with a, a, an officer for X amount of years, come out and say, this is what it's actually like. This is what you can expect. I think that would make a bigger impact. And I think that main thing is the communication, being able to understand that they're not going to be able to pick up the phone. They're not going to be able to text you back or snap you back, you know, instantly. That's just a part of it. And I think that's a, a big part of it because we we do want to be able to talk to to our spouses. We want to be able to, especially once you have kids and things like that, you have stuff going on, you want to be able to reach out to that person who you're sharing your life with. Um, but when you're in this, when you have this profession, it's just not a reality. It, it's just not something that, that can happen. You know, you don't get the, you don't get the luxury of always texting. You don't get the luxury of, of you know, working a seven hour shift or eight hour shift and then being able to come home and make dinner with your family and, and do all that stuff. That's just not how it is. I think. I think if they had real people speaking about just what they've experienced, that's a lot better than just hitting on points. I got to tell you, I initially was going to bring up the size of the agency making a big difference. Whereas if you have a small police department, say 10, 20, 30, hell, even 50 officers versus an agency of 2000, for example, you know, it's, it makes the big difference and it's so much tougher. But then I stopped Mm -hmm. myself and I said, it really, the size of the agency is irrelevant because if you're targeting the newer hires, the newer officers, you're not going to have hundreds of them and thousands of them unless mm-hmm. you're NYPD, for example. There's really, there's really nothing, especially with technology these days. I mean, you could do this, you could do this from the computer from from your house. I mean, you could set up a, a meeting, a video chat. There's so many different avenues, but I really do think you're onto something here, and I. Th- I wonder if how many police departments are doing this in the manner that you're thinking of or describing, but I really think it's, it's possible. And I think it would make a big difference. And these days we really focus on every single police department. I don't know one that doesn't, they focus on community outreach and reaching the community and all these programs and all these initiatives and being there on this holiday and this day and this event and this parade seems like there's a, a event or a day for every day of the month. Um, they really could take care of their own and they really could reach out to family members or spouses a little bit differently. I think you're onto something. Well, they could. I, I think that I've, you know, through all of this, I've gotten honored to know quite a few wives and husbands, just spouses in general or family members. And the amount of those people who want to be involved, who want to try to help, who want to talk about this lifestyle is incredible. If I think if the agencies actually opened up to that idea, they don't, they don't have to go around. I mean, they, they probably have to, you know, send people back. I think there's, there's a lot of, I can say on the spouses end, I know there's a lot of spouses who want to sit there and be a part of that agency who want to be there and in some way support, their spouse 
Well, I wonder how many, you know, the, the divorce rate is through the roof with first responders, medical professionals, mm -hmm. dispatchers. I wonder how many of those divorces may have been prevented had something like this come up and had these conversations taken place and then the expectations became a reality. I mean, I think, I don't know, I, I think it's kind of common sense that you could expect that your your husband or wife is going to be working the long shift or might be gone on the holidays or might miss a birthday party. These are the sacrifices that first responders and their families knowingly make. I think maybe we tiptoe around the other topics, the, the stress, the emotion, the suicides, the line of duty deaths, the politics. I don't know any agencies that, that, that is going to want to acknowledge that they have a problem with politics or anything like that. But I don't know. I, I think you're definitely onto something, you know? Just piggybacking off of something that you said that you mentioned divorce rates. Can yes. we just go into that? Can we just get that out of the way? Yes. All right. Okay. So I have said it before, Benji and I were not a perfect couple. I don't, if anyone wants to bullshit me and tell me that they're in such a happy and perfect relationship. I mean, I'm calling BS on that now, but Benji and I did go through our struggles. Um, when I was going through my depression and I wasn't opening up to him, uh, and that was actually for about two years total that he, had, I hadn't told him what was happening. Um, we started going through a, a rough patch. And I mean, it was, it was all based around communication. Everything else seemed normal, but communication wise, emotionally, we were at a disconnect and that's on me. That wasn't even on him. Um, we got to the point where we, we legitimately, we discussed divorce. Um, it, we, we talked about it a lot. We, we really thought we were got to the point where we were like, you know what? We both love our kids. Um, we're apparently, we're just not meant to be together, but we're still going to be good parents raising our kids, you know, in a co-parenting setting. Um, the more we talked about it, we realized, you know, we really do love each other. We want to try to make this work. How can we do that? Divorce is such a huge thing with first responders. I mean, it's, it's astronomical and I'm sure you guys have all seen it. Um, the people around you and, and everything like that. It, it's a reality of it. I wanted to bring that up because people always reach out to me and they're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, the love you and Benji had, and you guys were so great together and you loved each other so much. You're fucking right. We did love each other a lot, but we were not perfect. And we had our struggles. We had our issues. And that was something that we had to communicate on and really focus on and put time on. We had to spend time on that and figure out, okay, we're communicating, but not in a healthy way. And there's, there is a difference. How can we change that? What can we do? How can we work on that? And then how can we try to fix this relationship? How can we try to make it stronger? And that's exactly what we did. We, um, we started, we downloaded this app because we didn't actually want to go into therapy, but we want to do something. So we downloaded an app. Um, it was like a relationship marriage app that kind of just gives you sessions. You don't have to do these sessions together. You can do them on your own time, which is great because if I said something that I knew was going to piss off Benji, I did not have to be there when he read it. 
And <laughs> he could answer when he was ready and do his own response. But we knew how each other felt, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in that, that moment, you know, instead of having, you know, the, just kind of the burst of emotion come out. So I think it's important to note, you know, I don't want people to see me. And I feel like a lot of people do, they reach out to me all the time. They're just like, you guys are so happy together. You guys, you know, were such a good couple and we were, but we struggled. We were, but we considered divorce. We worked through it. I, I, I just want people to know that you can go through difficult parts of your relationship. You can go through some really shitty times and you can come out from those and you can come out a hell of a lot stronger. Once Bendy and I started communicating, once we started getting our emotions out there, the connection was completely different. I mean, everything was better. And I'm going to just drop on this. I mean, when I say everything was better, sex was incredible. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty, I think that's pretty important to just throw that out there because we obviously had two kids. It's not like we weren't doing it already, but once we got that communication in place, once we started working on ourselves emotionally and opening up to each other and venting to each other about different things and knowing that we can rely on each other, absolutely every aspect of our relationship got better and stronger. And that was one of the things I did. So, I mean, if you're having troubles with your relationship and you're like, oh, my wife doesn't send me news anymore, well, communicate and maybe you'll get some. You know, I mean, it, it really does make a huge difference. I just wanted to drop that in because I Hold do on, think I'm, it's important. I'm writing that down now. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think you hit the uh, the nail on the head, so to speak, with communication, and I think that's what we all keep harping on. We keep going back to the same thing. And if mm-hmm. you're if you're going to talk about divorce, I, marriage in a relationship takes work, so you have to have mm-hmm. communication. When you have divorce, you either have both people give up on it, one person gives up on it, or you have some sort of, and this is my personal opinion, or or you have some sort of mature professional you know, honest communication and you determine that that's the best course of action. And I don't necessarily think that one is better or worse than the other, but I just think it comes down to communication, 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 communication. You know, I, I mean, I've, we've seen people that stay together unhappily. We've seen people that end up getting divorced and both, both of them end up very happy. So just wanted to put that out there as well. No, and I don't want it to come out. Like I'm saying, don't ever get divorced. I mean, that's, that's not what I mean. You don't want to be with it. I think it comes down to Benji and I talked about it. We decided together that we wanted to work on it. I just wanted to put that out there. It's not like I'm saying, don't ever get divorced. If you're in a shitty fucking relationship and you guys are both unhappy, don't stay in it just to stay in it. I, not saying that at all. But if I, there's a way to salvage it, I think, you know. And I think in this profession, it's even more important because part of that, that whole expectations and a family night, so to speak. I remember the family night that they had for me 13 years ago, they talked about the importance of their law enforcement officer having support. So really works both ways, you know, really works both ways. 
what else do you have for me? Because I told you, no filters. You don't have to hold back. You told me not to be a bitch, so go ahead, throw it at us. <laughs> Are you calling me a bitch? Is that what you're no, saying? You're saying I, that I'm I a would, bitch right now? <laughs> I would never. I would never. <laughs> I feel like it was implied. No, I, I kind of just wanted to touch on that point because I know you were weary of me doing that. And then I just wanted to throw the sex out there again because you were cautious of me doing that too. Um, yeah, I think my exact words were I didn't want to turn this into a Howard Stern episode. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, do you have anything to add on this? Well, I had a very similar experience. Uh, there was a really rough patch for my wife and I, and we went through something pretty traumatic. It's definitely not, uh, you know, not as extreme as what you had gone through, but uh, still traumatic for us nonetheless. And we worked through it, um, trying to think about the best way to say how we worked through it. But like you said, the sex was incredible, at least for me. The sex is incredible <laughs> after the fact um, <laughs> compared to before. You know, it's, it's tough for me to remember before certain incidents occurred in my life. And, but, you know, thinking back over the time, I'm, I'm extremely happy now. I'm, I'm, I think my relationship with my wife is as strong as it's ever been. Um, I'm super, super happy. Uh, I mean, she gave you permission to be here tonight. So that's, and something. that's the thing we don't, <laughs> and we laugh, but it, there isn't uh, I don't feel that I need permission and we don't ask each other's permission to do things. It's more like, Hey, um, I wanted to do this. Now I have a horrible memory, so I will ask her, Hey, do we have anything scheduled for this date and time? And you know, she'll tell me, no, we don't, or yes, that's your child's birthday or something like that. But um, <laughs> just so that I know that I can go and do something that I want to do. Um, and she's, I can't ever think of a time when she's ever said, no, I don't want you to do that. And, and, Conversely to that, I, I don't remember a time saying no to her. Um, so I don't know. To me, that's, I don't feel as it's asking for permission. I think it's just we try to support each other the best we can. And, and uh, I, I got to tell you, I don't know how the heck she's still with me. She's amazing. That's for sure. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Brian. She is um, very kind. You, you work day shift hours now, right? Yes. Safe to say you have worked night shift hours? Plenty. Did you find for maybe for those listening and those that tune in and they might have stress going on or arguing or bickering or not the perfect marriage, if there's such a thing out there that exists, did you find night shift versus day shift cr created more problems, more stress, things like that, but more of a strain on it? And would you have any advice for somebody in that position? Yeah, I would say from from the person who's working nights, the the most important thing, and this goes back to mental health, we, we always talk about that, is, is sleep. To me, sleep is the most important thing. Um, you're able to, you have more patience, you're able to remember and, and be more coherent when you've had some adequate rest before you have a conversation with your spouse. Um, you know, there's different issues when it comes to working nights. I didn't have the issues as much um, with in regards to texting back or answering my phone or anything like that. But my wife suffered from her sleep because she would wake up multiple times a night worrying about me. Uh, it's less now 
only because I'm home every night and I'm in bed uh, every night when I'm off and she's, she knows where I'm at. So it's, you know, a little bit of less stress on her. And most first responders would gladly take the stress away from their spouse uh, and not have them feel that stress and, and that, that suffering, if you will. Now, Kelly, Night I think. Night shift sucks. Yeah. Before you right. touch on that, because I was going to ask you about that as well, with because I, mm-hmm. I, I think Benji primarily worked night shift, but I wanted to ask Kelly about her perspective because with the fire department, most of them work these 24-hour shifts. How, how do you even describe that whole thing with, yeah, I mean, you could probably go days without seeing him. Um, for the most part, I mean, it's, you know, the 24 on, 48 off. Um, thankfully in my 18 years, I've never really had to work nights, um, which is very, works very well for my family. But, um, I, I joke with people all the time and say, you know, him working 24 hour shifts every third day that kind of has saved our marriage. (laughs) Um, I could see that because we get our, as much as I miss him and would want him here every night, but you know, I get my time like you know, we have time away from each other. We're not like constantly home alone. And he works, you know, as most firemen do, works a second job. So um, otherwise he would be home a lot more, but you know, it really has given us that time away. So we're not um, constantly like just being bombarded with everything that's going on every single night. So um, it's kind of a good break for us, but I wanted to also say on the divorce, when we were talking about the divorce rates, I think it's, you know, for us in law enforcement, I guess, and first, all first responders in general, it's so, you know, we're so afraid of the stigma of going to therapy, regardless of what it's for, whether it's to save our marriage or to save ourselves, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, like I know in particular, you know, the cases that I work and the victims that I fight for, if we would fight for our personal relationships and our marriages as much as we would fight for some of the victims that we, that we help every day, it, it would go a long way. And I think you would see a big change in those rate, in those divorce rates. Um, you just, you know, we can't be so, we're so easy to just like, you can give up. It's so common in our field to, for people to get divorced. It's so easy to just give up and walk away and walk into a new relationship. But at the end of the day, you know, you've really got to fight for what's important to you and what matters. Um, and I just think that people have gotten away from that and it's divorce has become so easy that it's just you know people don't think it's worth fighting for anymore okay so follow up to that kelly we can't change the current trend to where the past brought us to where we are now how do we change it moving forward is this something that can be impacted by the agency from these family nights is it something on a supervisory level? Is it something with just society as a whole, with social media? How do we fix this? How do we change it? Well, I like you said, I think, you know, Emily brings up a very good point with these family nights. And I actually was, you know, thinking of some ways my own agency could reach out. My, my agency is really good with, you know, bringing families in when we do award ceremonies and things like that. But to really have an outlet, you know, they have like the, the South Florida Leo wives and stuff like that. Well, you know, we should have something like that within our own agencies for our families um, where they're putting out information that, you know, pertains to them or could help them, you know, whether it's, whether it's a YouTube video or a podcast link or anything that would help them kind of understand um, our side of things 
um, so that it would help the communicate lines of communication at home. I think that's fantastic idea. And I was trying to think in my head, like how, how I could implement that or try to implement that in my own agency. Um, I remember having a family night when I was at the Academy, but um, I don't think they really went into much other than like you said, like the officer needs your support type of thing, but it, it does go two ways. And Kelly, if I could add on what you, you alluded to before was when you talk about mental health and going to talk to people and the stigma surrounding seeing somebody and talking to somebody, uh, I went and, and sought help of a therapist throughout one of my difficult times. And I, I found that me telling some of the newer officers that I went and did that seems to really open up other officers to the idea of, hey, that's you know, if an older guy with all the gray hair, if he's going to do it, uh, I guess it's not such a, a big deal. Um, and I found that other people are willing and more accepting to that idea as well. And in addition to what you're just saying, I think that we kind of have to take responsibilities more for us and put our foots down and say, Hey, we're not, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. You know, we, it's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to somebody. And that, includes our families and not to sound jaded, but I know that a lot of times when people retire, the agencies forget about them and who's left holding the bag. We are. So I think, you know, we have to kind of accept responsibility and, and know that it's okay to go talk to somebody like you were talking about before. Um, I think, I think that's, that's a tremendous uh, asset for us. Nowadays, in I 100% agree. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And I think it's why it's so important the, the work that Team South Florida does. And, you know, when we had that initial panel, um, and just keeping the lines of communication open and making this, you know, talking about these things a normal part of our everyday conversation and not something that is taboo or something that we should hide behind. Um, I think it's really important. I think the more people that talk about it and the more people that talk about it, you know, and, and, is going to release the stigma that's been on it for so long. And, you know, I only hope that that would help not only, you know, reduce our divorce rates, but these suicide rates, it's just, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. Well, to, to Brian's point, he's absolutely right. One of the things that we frequently hear, and I, I can't tell you how often I would say more times than not, when somebody reaches out and we start talking to them and listening to them, and then we reply and say, that's normal. This is how most people feel given what you've gone through. We hear these emotions elsewhere. It almost normalizes the feeling that some officers have. So I agree. I agree with both of you. Um, Brian's spot on, and I think it's so critically important about just being able to talk and share experiences and just let people know that it's okay to reach out. Um, I would add for those field training officers that may hear this, it's critically important. When I was a field training officer, I made sure to touch on these things. I touched on the emotional part of it, relationships, uh, line of duty deaths, just all, all different topics. Um, going back to I, uh, Emily, I don't want to forget about you. I know Benji primarily worked. I actually want to segue. Go I kind of want to segue. Go, Go right ahead. Um, all right. So you know that. You, you know how I feel about fishers. And um, I think a lot of this, because this is something that's important to talk, just touch base on, you know, the mental health part of it and the stigma. I think a lot of it has to do with leadership. 
um, when it comes to trying to end the stigma and having officers open up, I think you have to have people just at the top saying, you know what, let's do something to change it. And that's exactly what they're doing here in Fishers. And I love it because we are going to focus on uh, the officers. That's going to be the primary thing. But then after that, once we get that topic going and we, once we start telling people and these officers, hey, it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. This is normal. Once we have that, that conversation piece just be a part of the agency, we want to start bringing in the families. We want to start bringing in the wives and, you know, kind of branching it all together so we can start building those stronger relationships, that stronger communication. And it's, I think it's not just going to help the officers and the suicide rates. It's also going to help the home life. So I, I think that it is so important just to, to touch base on that. I love that you guys are all talking about opening up and seeing other people do it and just making it the norm because that's what needs to happen. And it's going to help all branches of it. Let me, let me prove your point about how important it is to have good leadership with what you're doing with Fishers right now and what Fishers is doing. Mm -hmm. Would any of it be possible without the chief support? Absolutely not. How many chiefs are going to listen? Let's be, let's be honest here. I'm not their I'm not their widow. And you know, I don't like calling myself that, but I'm not their widow. He has this person who he owes nothing to come in and say, I have this foundation. I want to bring out Nick Wilson. How can we make this happen? Tell us about what you're doing. Tell tell us, because not everybody who's going to hear this knows about what Fishers is doing, what you're doing with the foundation. Share, take advantage of the time. Um, So with Benji's foundation, the Benjamin M. Ciro Foundation, we are bringing out Nick Wilson from the Resiliency Project out to Fishers Police Department in June, June 15th and 16th. It's going to be open regionally. So to any of the law enforcement officers in the area, uh, if they want to come out, they want to listen, um, they want to talk about what's going on, just hear somebody like Nick, who is just, I mean, the the front lines of this, um, tell his story and let them know, hey, it's okay. How can you not feel this way? This This is what we see every day. Somebody real come out and and tell them that it's all right to discuss this stuff and help us uh, build a peer support program and do all of that. Um, That's what we're bringing out to Fishers in June. It's going to be free um, and again, open to the the surrounding officers, not just Fishers Police Department. Um, We're starting that peer support program and it would not be possible without Chief, without Tracy Jones, the detective that was working Benji's background. Um, Fishers is so pro wellness and family. Um, Chief Gebhardt cares so much um, that he's he's willing to talk to the spouses. I'm not the only spouse that he sat down and spoke and has spoken with. He's spoken to a lot of us, and he he wants to find ways to help his officers and to help their families. I think that that's it's it's not the norm, um, but I think it should be. And just to share a little bit from what I remember from speaking with Nick, uh, Nick has the Resiliency Project page on Instagram, and they Mm -hmm. put out amazing, amazing content. And we frequently find ourselves sharing each other's uh, content from time to time. But uh, 
unfortunately, he medically retired. His career was cut short. And he suffered quite a bit emotionally, mentally. And one of their goals now is just to end the silent suffering, as they put it, as he puts it. And they focus on just peer support and recovery, psychological services, treating post-traumatic stress, ending suicide. And it goes back to what each one of us share in common about talking about is just you have to be able to open up those lines of communication and, and discuss things. I think another thing, Rich, if I can jump in real quick, you know, if we can have, you know, when you guys started that, that panel talking about the suicide rates and everything, you know, there is so much free training on this topic available to agencies. If they would just reach, if one person would just take it upon themselves to reach out and say, you know, we have a, we have a room, we have this many seats. When can you bring this training to us? They want to bring the training. I did the exact same thing with humanizing the badge at my agency. They brought their call for backup training to my agency. We had two full sessions and it was like a waiting list of people that wanted to get in, which made me feel so good that there were that many. And we had civilians and sworn. It wasn't just all sworn. Um, but people that want to, to talk about this and they realize how much of a problem it is. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're from an agency and you haven't brought any of this type of training to your area, I encourage you to reach, look on the internet, reach out to humanizing the badge or some of these other agencies that offer this free training and just get the ball rolling on your own. Don't wait for your chief or somebody else in your agency, your training division to do it for you. Do it yourself. Yeah. Right. I agree. Mm-hmm. All right. In in closing, just to try to wrap this up a little bit, let's just go around the around the studio, if you will. So let's start with Emily. Any any closing words, final thoughts? And then we'll go to Kelly and then we'll go to Brian. Um I kind of feel like I'm being put on the spot here, but do you want to go to Kelly first and we can go to you last? No, no, no. It's just it's fine. It's fine, boss. I got it. Um, I think that (laughs) I just, I think that if I can harp on one thing, the communication, calmate, all right. I think if we can just harp on, on one thing here just quickly, I think that we need to realize in our relationships that you do need to communicate on both ends. It's not all on the spouse. It's not all on the Leo. It's a team effort. And you actually have to put in that effort. I mean, I can't say, I can't speak on, you know, the law enforcement side of things. I can speak on the wife side of things. And it's not just, I, I'm holding a cup right now, a wine glass that says proud police wife, right? I feel like that's just the normal thing. I'm a, I'm a law enforcement side, the wife. It's almost like being a military wife. It's just this badge of honor. What the fuck are you doing to earn that? Are you actually sitting there trying to communicate? Are you sitting there trying to be a support system? Are you trying to find ways to keep that relationship going in a healthy manner? I cannot speak um, for the officer side of things, but as a wife, I think that if you're going to sit here and wear that, I'm a police wife badge and, you know, try to hashtag it on all your shit, do something about it. Be that supportive spouse. Try to be there for your husband. If he's closing himself off, still be there. If he's sharing minimally, still be there. 
you just, I have, I feel like you just have to be a constant. That's the only thing I can say is you just have to be there. Push for it. Be a constant. If you fucking care, then care, show it, show up. That's, that's all I got to say on my end of it. Kelly. Tough to follow follow up on that. that But (laughs) um, can I just say ditto? (laughs) Um, I just think, you know, Emily hit it right on, you know, you have to show up every day, you have to communicate, you know, and then for those of us that are, that are first responders, you know, be that person that speaks out and tries to make a difference within your own agency. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Brian? Well, now what am I supposed to say? You had a long time to think about it, Brian. Yeah, well, you both took both of my points, so now what am I supposed (laughs) to say? No, like I'll kind of touch on what Emily was saying before about the communication, but from a law enforcement perspective, um, it's okay to reach out and and speak to somebody. And it's not even just the perils of the job. You can go to a therapist and talk to them about your relationship with your spouse. Um, And and sometimes, you know, that's just getting that off your chest is is all you would need. Um, I don't know how in depth or detailed we're going to get about the agency specifically, but I know there's in South Florida, you talked about fishers in Indiana, but be careful naming a specific agency, unless it's positive. It's all positive. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know what you think about me, but it's all positive. Go ahead. Um, (laughs) I can tell you that uh, our agency reached out. It doesn't have to be within your agency. Um, If if you're a smaller agency, like the one I'm working with now, we had to reach out to another to another agency we reached out and different agencies have uh, resources for you uh, the fort lauderdale police department is doing a phenomenal job they brought they hired an in-house psychologist for their officers so that they can come in anytime they want and the psychologist told the administration i don't care what you say to me we're not telling you what they said and the officers feel that they can come in and of course there's that that period where they have to get to know the guy but they come in and they can they can talk to someone that I don't believe is necessarily closed off to just Fort Lauderdale. I don't know for sure, but if someone was in peril and they needed help, you could reach out to a Fort Lauderdale officer and ask them to point you in the right direction. I know Pembroke Pines, Coral Springs, uh, those agencies have phenomenal peer support programs that I know for a fact that will help out other agencies around here. So if you're a police officer and you're listening um, and you can't get things going within your agency for whatever reason, like, like Kelly was talking about, you can reach out to another agency. And sometimes it's, it's even better because you don't have to worry about anyone knowing who you are and you can just reach out and get help through another agency as well if, if you feel more comfortable that way. And then what Emily said earlier, send nudes, I guess. That's the only other thing that we can, <laughs> <laughs> we can say. So hopefully there's no kids listening. Well, considering you didn't kids, have... All right, I'm sorry. I just have to end it with one more thing. <laughs> Yes, boss. People, so, all right, boss. I'm sorry, but people always ask me. They, I'm just going to get it out there. People always want to know what the last text message I sent Benji was. I'm just going to get out there and say, I think it's a positive and good way to end this. <laughs> um, everyone always asks me, what's the last thing you texted your husband? Expecting to say, like, I love you or some shit like that. It was not. The last thing I sent my husband was a picture of my ass. And obviously everybody knows, I think by now, that Benji was in Florida and I was in Indiana when he passed me explicitly saying what I was going to do to him in a week. So I'm telling you communication guys, it, it, 
it does a it's a huge fucking difference. I mean, <laughs> I think that was a pretty solid last text message for him. I don't even know so, what to say, it. what to follow up with. <laughs> um, we could all be so lucky. <laughs> Brian brought up a couple of things I just want to add. Uh, we've got, thank you, Brian. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Emily, again, a million times. Um, we're very fortunate with this podcast to have this new way of communicating. What I what I've started sharing and it started before the podcast with Bev, but especially after Bev's, if something you heard from somebody tonight really inspired you or you want to reach out, send us a message on any of our social media pages, Team South Florida, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, send us a text 702-527-1290 or go to the website teamsouthflorida.org. And I can speak for everybody here that everybody's accessible and wants to help. Um, to Brian's point earlier, if you're an officer, first responder, any agency, and you're in need or you need some support, you could always try reaching out to your own agency. If that doesn't work or you don't feel comfortable, like Brian said, there's people at other agencies that are willing to help. And I'm happy to share this. We've had so many success stories, and I, I won't divulge the information, but we're truly, truly blessed. And if I kept track and told you the amount of people that have called us, and it's not an astronomical amount, quite frankly, if it was one, it would be successful. But we've had dozens since early 2018 that we have absolutely helped tremendously. And one of the other things is, and Bev touched on this as well, if you do reach out for help and it doesn't go well, don't give up. It's just like dating. You know, keep trying, find somebody else, give it another chance because you will click. It's just a matter of time. And especially with these therapists, uh, there's so many of them. And what works for one person might not work for the other person. Um, before I close it off, if anybody else has anything to say, feel free to jump on. And I'll, I'll leave the last word with Emily and then I'll close it off. Brian, you good? I'm why good. does it, it have to come good? back to me again? Kelly. I'm good. Go for it, Emily. Why does it have to come back to me? <laughs> All right. You're done. I'm good. Thank you for having me back on. I'm sorry that I curse so much. And um, thanks. Thanks again. All right. Thank you for joining us, Emily. And then in, uh, in our standard tradition, what I like to do is just show that we mean it when we say we will never forget. So we like to honor a fallen law enforcement officer and just make it a point for their family that they are not forgotten. So on this day, March 27th in 2005, Sergeant Kevin Kite of the Panama City Beach Police Department in Florida was tragically shot and killed in the line of duty. He made a traffic stop. He determined the driver was going to be arrested. At some point, he was trying to make the arrest. The suspect pulled out a handgun and opened fire. Truly unfortunate. Sergeant Kite was killed. The killer fled like a coward and was apprehended several hours later. Thankfully, he was convicted of first-degree murder, and I'm happy to say he was sentenced to death approximately two years after that. Sergeant Kite served with the Panama City Beach Police Department here in Florida for six years. He previously served with another agency for four years in Ohio. He was survived by his wife and, at the time, four-year-old son. He was just 34 years of age. 
May he rest easy and our thoughts and prayers remain with his family.